episode, we are chatting with Sylvia Lopez, children's book author and one of the authors featured in our new biography series, Voices in History. Sylvia wrote about Federico Fernandez Cavada, a spy in the Civil War, and so much more. Listen and learn more about Cavada, a true hero. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Building Knowledge Podcast. Today, I have with me Sylvia Lopez, and and Sylvia is a children's author who we worked with on our new biography series, um, Voices in History. Um, Sylvia Lopez was born in Cuba and came to the U.S. in 1960. Her lifelong love of books led to a career as a school librarian and later as a children's author. Some of her books are bilingual or published separately in English and Spanish. Sylvia's books have received several awards, including two Florida Book Awards and inclusion in the Junior Library Guild. Books include Just Right Family, an Adoption Story, Handimals, Animals in Art and Nature, Pacho Nacho, Queen of Tejano Music, Selena, in English and Spanish, my Little Golden Book about Frida Kahlo and My Little Golden Book about Sonia Sotomayor, both in English and Spanish, and Jose and El Pedro due out in April of 2023. Three other projects are scheduled for release in 2024. Thank you so much for joining us, Sylvia. I'm really excited to chat with you um, because the biography that you did was of a person that I have never heard of before. Um, and I consider myself a, an American history buff. So I'm so excited to chat with you. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. So I gave just a brief biography about you, um, but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work? Well, a little bit more about myself. I did come from Cuba when I was 10 and I spoke no English. So I had to learn it fast. It was fifth grade. If I wanted to go on to sixth grade, I had to learn it really quick. And Miami, um, where I am now and where I came to, um, was not the same as it is today. It was, um, there were very few Hispanics here. I was the only child in my class who did not speak English. And the other two kids in this whole school were my two cousins. So there was nobody to turn to except myself and my my handy dandy English, Spanish, Spanish, English dictionary, which I still have. So anyway, I I went on and I loved English so much. I was a a real literature buff and I decided to become a literature teacher, English and American literature teacher. But when I when I finished, I said, wait, I've spent so many years in the libraries. I loved libraries. To me, libraries were like um, like Halloween. We discovered Halloween when we came from Cuba. You go up, you say trick or treat, and they give you candy. Who, I mean, whoever thought, right? So you walk into a library and you show your card and they give you a book. That was so good. So I decided to become a librarian. It was the best thing I ever did. It was the perfect job for me, and especially um, in children's um Uh, in schools, elementary schools, mostly. So I lived a life surrounded by students and children and books. It didn't get any better than that. 
But then when it was getting close to retirement time for me, not quite yet, but almost, I had always written. When I was a child, I was an only child, so I had to entertain myself a lot. I read a lot and I wrote little stories and, and drew little pictures with balloons over their heads and um, made up lots and lots of fairy tales, folk tales, anything I could think of to, to, to write and had always done that throughout my life. And I thought, okay, I think I'd like to see if I can get some of my ideas and my work published. And that's how it began. And uh, aside from a couple of uh, a self-published ebook that I made, um, my first traditionally published book was uh, Just Right Family and Adoption Story. And it got a Florida award, a book award. So I was very encouraged. And I've gone on. I since then have written, well, I have about between 12 books and maybe four more. So coming up, three more. So um, that was only 2016. So it's not been a long time. So I, I think I've done, you know, fairly much. That that was me. And my work is, like you read, it's very varied. I have biographies. I'm working on two now. Um, I have folktale retellings. I have nonfiction. And, um, and I have plain old picture book fiction. So um, I'm kind of an eclectic writer, but I love it. And um, I wish I would have started earlier, but you know, life is what it is and you start when you can and it's never too late. No, absolutely. And I, I love libraries as much as you do and that it's just a gateway for students. And it's so sad to see that so many school libraries are going away and that children aren't going to their public libraries anymore. So hopefully there will be a resurgence of that and that we can keep that, that idea alive. Um, so you wrote a biography for Core Knowledge on Federico Cavada. Um, can you share with the listeners first who he is and then how did you go about writing this book? Again, this is someone that I've never heard of before, and I can't believe I haven't. Okay, I'm going to start with the second half of the question is how I came about to write about him. I'm with you. I had never heard of this person, and he was born and died in Cuba. So I would have thought, you know, I would have known about him. But um, how I came to write about him, uh, the uh, uh, Rosie McCormick, the editor, contacted my agent, and they were looking for people to write a certain number of biographies for core knowledge. And there were people on there, Helen Keller, you know, Benjamin Franklin. I said, oh, I can do this. And then she says, oh, but I have a, a gentleman who um, was a, he, he was on the, a balloon um, soldier in the civil war. And she gave, she told me the name and I thought, oh, I've never heard of this. I didn't even know there were balloons in the, in the civil war. So I said, but that's okay. And I, I took the challenge and it was it was a wonderful challenge. It was a great thing because of who he is. And I'll tell you now who he is. But that's how it came to be. I, um, I, I It was a longish book for me because most of my books are picture books or shorter uh, books. A few are a little bit longer. And this was a book for fifth grade level, which is much longer and it has chapters. 
So it was a challenge. It was a great challenge. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, who, uh, who he was. Okay. Federico Fernandez Cabal was born in Cuba of a Spaniard parent, father, and a French-American mother. So when his father passed away and when he was a child, his mother took her three sons, he was the middle child, to Philadelphia where her family was naturally. You know, she, she, she came to raise her children near her family in Philadelphia, and that's where Federico grew up. Um, he, he packed in 39 years of life because he died a week short of his 40th birthday. And he packed into those 39 years more experiences and adventures and wonderful things. Maybe to him, they weren't so wonderful. They were dangerous, but to read about. Um, so many experiences in 39 years, more than most people pack in a lifetime, you know, an octogenarian, a 95 years old person. This was such a, a, a life filled with uh interesting things to write about. He was literally a soldier, a sailor, not a sailor. Well, I guess if you count the fact that he sailed a balloon and a poet and an author and a painter, and he was so many things and a patriot. So he was raised in Philadelphia and um, it was difficult. It was difficult to write about him because there's not, like you found out, there's not a whole lot of stuff written about him. Uh, I found bits and pieces. I did a lot of research. It's the, I think that is the, um, that's a good thing about being a librarian. Research is my my biggest joy. I enjoy doing research. I taught it and I love doing it. So I did my research here at the University of Miami. They have a collection of some of his, some of his letters. They have them digitized. I found on internet archives. Uh, I wrote to the um, Pennsylvania um, Historical Society and got bits and pieces of his life. It wasn't enough for such a long book. So I decided to fill up the book with what would have been around him. Uh, for example, uh, what was life in Philadelphia like in the 1840s for a boy, a child? What games did they play? What did they wear? Um, what was school like? Then um, in, when he was um, 17 years old, he went, well, he went to a high school, which was the first public high school there in Philadelphia and the second in the nation. It's still there, Central High School. And of course it was for boys. Now it has girls, but at the time it was for boys. And he went to high school and it was kind of a drafting um, it, it was a lot of interest in drafting and, and mechanical drawing and art, although he learned everything. And, and so he learned a lot of that there. And that was going to serve him later because when he was 17, the Panama Railroad, <clears throat> which was the precursor of the Panama Canal, was in full swing. And this had been going on for decades. France had already been had tried it, but. That area of the Isthmus of, of Panama is a jungle, real, true jungle, swamps, mosquitoes, animals, venomous snakes. And so just to cut across that little bit of land at the time with the machinery that they had and the limits that they had was an amazing feat. But <clears throat> it had to be done because 
gold was discovered in California in 1848, and that began the gold rush. And rather than having to go around, <coughs> excuse me, the tip of South America, it was the, the best deal was to cut across Central America. So there was a big, a big push for that. So he joined as a surveyor and for five years, caught malaria several times, but he stayed for the five years and came back to Philadelphia. His health was not good. But five years later, or a few years after that, the Civil War breaks out. So I wrote about the Panama Railroad. I wrote about the gold rush. I wrote about things that would have been important in his life and kind of idealized or thought about what it would have been like for him, because that was all we could get. But that was that was um, very realistic in my mind of how life would have been for him in those situations. So the Civil War breaks out and he joins up. He volunteers. And uh, against the advice of his doctors, he volunteers. And the man who signed him up became his lifelong friend and practically his biographer, his only biographer that we have about is was written by that by that person. He was the, the recruiting officer at the time and was very impressed with him. So anyway, so Federico gets assigned <clears throat> to the newly formed um, U.S. Balloon Corps. Who knew there was a U.S. Balloon Corps? Not me. I can tell you that. <laughs> but everybody that I tell, they go, well, I didn't know. Well, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. The balloons were a brainchild of Thaddeus Lowe, who was a balloonist, and he proposed it to Abraham Lincoln, who bought into it. And how fascinating. Camps at the time were, enemy camps were almost face-to-face. -face. This was hand-to-hand -hand combat. This was not, you know, not like today very much. Cannons, horses, and people fighting side by side there. And so the, the purpose of the balloon was to launch from one side, tethered, and then try to aim to go above where the, where the artillery from the enemy camp could hit it and get above the bullets. And then Federico, because of his experience as surveyor, because of his art skills, would draw maps and, and, and charts of where where the tents were, where the cannons were, where the were there people coming in from the other side, all of that would be given to his superiors, which was very valuable information. So that was his job, at, which is the, the title of the book is a spy, you know, the spy in the hot air balloon. Now, he did not stay in the balloon corps very long. We don't know why, but he was there several months. And then he was, we think it was because he was promoted he was promoted to first captain and then lieutenant colonel in the 114th Regiment, Pennsylvania Regiment. And then he saw war. He was in Fredericksburg, which was a Union defeat and a bloody, bloody battle. And he drew a painting of the Battle of Fredericksburg, which is now in the archives in, in Philadelphia. And um, he painted a painting. Um, and he, his, he and his brother both had diaries. His brothers have survived. Um, his did not. But um, he, he went on to the Battle of Gettysburg. And that was another turning point in his life because he was captured. He became a prisoner of war and was marched to Richmond and spent almost a year in Libby prison. Now, the Civil War 
Gettysburg was the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. And um, the Civil War was probably one of the bloodiest, if not the bloodiest conflicts in the history of our nation. Gettysburg was terrible and prisoners of war were taken and so many died. I, I have here, I have um, 56,000 prison camps at the time. And he was in Libby prison. He spent almost a year. And true to form, what he did was he went little scraps of paper. He, he jotted things that he saw and also made sketches. And when he was released, he smuggled the sketches and his little scraps of paper, probably in his shoes. And when he got back to freedom, he wrote the book, Libby Life, the experiences of a civil war camp of a prisoner of war. And um, so already we have him as a surveyor. We have him as a, as, as a, as a soldier. We have him as a POW. We have all these experiences. And what does he go and do? The war is over and he volunteers as a diplomat. So he's sent to Cuba practically to the same town where he was born as a, as a representative of the U.S. government. His brother Adolfo as well to another town. And what's happening in Cuba at this time? So now I wrote about, let me backtrack a little. I wrote about Fredericksburg. I wrote about the Civil War. I wrote about Gettysburg. I wrote about the Gettysburg Address, Lincoln uh, addressing, uh, making his 200, less than 300 word um, address there, which is one of the, the most well-known and famous, you know, four score and that's that's so well known. So I fleshed out Federico's story with all those things that were happening around. So he goes and volunteers in Cuba, has a lovely life there. He marries a Cuban woman, uh, has a child, and around him, the Cubans were fighting the Spanish, the Spanish government. Cuba was a colony of Spain. It was a rich country in natural resources, the resources were siphoned out and very little was coming back. So the natural born Cubans, they were descendants of Spaniards, but they were now Cubans. And they decided that they were going to do an uprising. So what does he do? True to form, Federico joins the uprising and he becomes one of the insurgents and he was joined their guerrilla warfare. And most importantly, he was very valuable to them because of his uh, knowledge. Uh, from the Civil War, but he joined the guerrilla warfare in a very interesting way. The way to hit the Spanish government the worst was to burn down plantations because the insurgents were poor and they had very little, very little things to work with and, and to fight back with. The Spanish government sent a lot of uh, soldiers, but what could he do? He would sneak into the plantations at night owned by Spaniards and set them on fire. So he became known as Capitan Candela, which means the fire captain, right? But that also made him a wanted man. He was now one of the most hated people by the Spanish government. And in, in um, just a week short of his, of his um, 40th birthday in 1871, he was captured. And um, he was summarily given a trial that lasted nothing and executed. 
So his family and his friends here, not knowing what to do, they they had heard the rumors. It took a couple of weeks because because communication was is not was not at the time like it is today. It took a couple of weeks to confirm the fact that just a couple of days after he was captured, he was executed, and his last words were "Goodbye, Cuba, forever." So. Um, the the people here tried very hard to get him some diplomatic immunity to be sent back here to trial for trial or to Spain. Nothing worked. But but his captors are known to have admired his determination and his courage in the face of death. And there was a, an eyewitness that mentioned that, that he, he was courageous to the end. And he was just 39 years old. So by that time, his wife and his son were already here in Philadelphia. His uh, brother was killed a few months later as an insurgent also. His younger, his older brother, who was a, who was a doctor, went back in 1898 to the actual Spanish-American War because those guerrilla warfares went nowhere for many years, for at least 20 years. But in, in 1898, the Spanish-American War broke out. His brother went over there as a doctor, and that war was won by the United States. It was the first time that the United States became actually a colonial power. They gained Cuba, they gained Puerto Rico, and they gained the Philippines. Later, you know, things changed. Cuba became an independent nation a few years later. But um, I found out that Federico is, is known in Cuban textbooks for children, not known here. Even though he was a hero in the Civil War and such a such an interesting life. So the book gave me the opportunity to research so many topics. And I would get so carried away and so interested. Oh my gosh, I didn't know this and I didn't know that. So as much of a learning experience as I hope it will be for the boys and girls, the students who read it. It was certainly a learning experience for me. I can totally see students getting so wrapped up with this book and wanting to know why there isn't a movie right. about this, about this man, because I mean, it is all the twists and turns. And I had no idea that there was so little research about it because I've, I've had, I have a copy of, you know, advanced copy of the book and I was able to read and I was so fascinated. Um, but I didn't know that you didn't have much to go on in terms of information about him. So that is so interesting. Yes. So what do you hope that students take away from reading this book? Okay. I, I'm hoping that they will see that there are many, many people out there who have done wondrous things, important things with their lives that maybe they don't get acknowledged as much as the figures that we all read about when we study history. We, you know, we all study American history and we study the founding fathers and we study everything that is so good and so interesting controversial maybe, but always interesting in American history and in world history. But I'd like the students to realize that there's many, many more people who have done incredibly interesting things with their lives. 
and that people like Federico Fernandez Cavada uh, is just one of, I'm sure, millions that we have not heard about. And the more we know about people, uh, maybe we just find out just like this began with his uh, time as a balloonist. Um, even though that was part of his life, how much more there was to his life. So I'm hoping that they will see themselves in a little part of his life, whatever part they'd like. And if not, just to see someone who kept on going, who just had to be doing interesting and important things all the time with his life. Sadly, it ended, you know, it ended way too soon. But he packed a lifetime into his lifetime. It was just very fascinating. So that's what I would like the students to know. First of all, I think that they would be interested in reading a little bit more about all the things that are touched upon in the book. Um, a little bit more about the war, a little bit more about those battles, a little bit more about the, the gold rush and what it signified for the United States. That was the growth of the United States. And um, uh, perseverance in these people who wanted to go uh, and, and take charge of their lives and go west. Um, then there was, there's also the, I, I hope that they learn a little bit about the history of where I was born in Cuba a little bit and know that there's many countries who have fought um, for their freedom and um, have achieved it with people like Federico Fernandez Cavada as, as, as part of their history. He, he was so brave and fearless, though, and especially like the way that you wrote about him. Um, and the, the, the balloon piece, I thought, well, it was, they were the drones before there were drones, but there were, <laughs> there were people in there. Um, and it was, he never lost that sense of fighting for what was right and fearless. I mean, that, that's the word that keep, kept coming to my mind. Boy, he was fearless. Um, so I touched on a little bit. I know you're writing some other books. Um, so what are you writing and when uh, people purchase those books? Okay. Um, I have, like I meant, like you mentioned, um, the book, uh, Jose and el Perro, it's coming out next month. That is a um, a cooperation with a friend, an author friend of mine, and it is a bilingual easy reader. So it is a book about a boy who um, who um, wants, he adopts a shelter dog, but he is in a bilingual family. They speak both languages in English and Spanish all the time, which is a situation in my family with my son's children. And um, he realizes the dog doesn't understand anything. And he realizes it's because he's trying to speak to him in Spanish and the dog doesn't know. So he decides to make Feliz, which is what he names his, his perfect dog, he calls him. He makes him bilingual. So he teaches all the commands in both languages. And then there's a sequel to that book that's coming out in the fall, which is where Jose realizes that Feliz can play soccer. So they go and he makes the team and, you know, well, I won't tell you any more about Felicing and all his escapades with that soccer team. 
But anyway, I have those coming out this year. I have a a um a folktale retelling. I love folktales. I used to love fairy tales, like I said, but and, and folktales too. To me, folktales hold the wisdom of the ages. Anything that you want to find that teaches a lesson can be found in a folktale. And by that, I include things like Aesop's fables and things like that. I mean, anything that is a tale told and told and retold through generations, to me, it holds the wisdom. The only problem is that sometimes they were written for another generation or they were written for adults, not necessarily for children, like in the case of the Grimm brothers. And um, they need to be reformatted for for our, a new generation and for a younger group. So I have a, a retelling of a folk tale coming out in 2024, which is, in, it was originally a Scottish ballad and I said it in Mexico. So um, that one is coming out and I am hoping that there will be a couple more coming out too between 2024 and maybe the following year, 2025. So. Both those books sound fascinating. Um, so I'm very excited and we'll make sure that we publicize those as well. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for coming on, talking a little bit about Rico Hernandez Cavada um, and all of his escapades. Um, and I hope that our uh, schools will purchase the book or at least read it online. We'll have it up online for free um, because I, I truly believe that students are going to be fascinated with him. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so too. And thank you for having me today. It was a pleasure. It was all mine. <laughs>